your ride ready for spring driving with Dobbs Spring Break Deals. Money saver deals you can use on Goodyear, Pirelli, Cooper, Michelin, and General Tires. Expert auto service, too. Click on GoToDobbs.com for spring break deals now. For over two decades, E&B Granite has been St. Louis's trusted name for kitchen, bathroom, and outdoor space renovations that are guaranteed to bring new life into your living spaces. Their skilled team will provide you with personalized customer service, fast turnaround times, and prices you won't find with big box stores. Support local and schedule free consultation at enbgranite.com or call them at 314-645-9300 or better yet, stop by the showroom and explore their massive inventory. Again, that's enbgranite.com. Michelle Smallman, Randy Carricker, and Derek Gould always does a great job of knowing about and covering what's going on, either with the Cardinals or with Major League Baseball, for stltoday.com and the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. And Derek, kind enough to join us on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line this morning. Mr. Gould, thanks so much. How are you doing this morning? I'm all right. How are you guys? We're doing okay. And I want to start with this because uh, you were almost apologetic the other night on Twitter when I was asking some questions of Jack Flaherty and you chimed in. And I'm I'm always happy that you chime in with knowledge because I, I don't cover the team or the league or this situation on a daily basis like you do. And I always appreciate getting knowledge from you. Well, I appreciate you saying that. I, and not everyone on Twitter feels that same way. <laughs> I know I'm not breaking news there, um, but uh, but I always want to be sure, like because I don't want to. I'm very hesitant to. I try to show. Let me put it this way: I try to resp- show as much respect as possible to the same people who are in this to the people who are in the same profession. I try to show respect to my peers, and so there are times where I'll see tweets that are heinously wrong. But it's not my job to go, hey, dude, you're heinously wrong. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> until I'm dragged into it. But I saw you and Flaherty, and I thought, you know, I mean, Randy, if I could help out, if I could add, add some, like, like uh, infrastructure or some, you know, background to the facts here, then if you'll let me, I'm happy to do so. And I, I do greatly appreciate it, and I mean that. Uh, well, Derek, I would really enjoy you tweeting at people telling their, them they're heinously wrong. That would be entertaining for me. So if you need something to do, yeah. might I suggest you do that? But you, you... I think I pick enough fights on Twitter <laughs> that I don't need to then like start nuking peers. That's a good point. That's a good point. Well, it seems like baseball is nuking their peers because obviously we're in a, a very sad space. It was a very sad day for baseball yesterday. But uh, you have been there and have been reporting on this and really do have a sense of how these negotiations negotiations have gone. So take us to Monday night into Tuesday morning. We got the sense, at least from social media, some of the rhetoric that was coming out was saying that progress had been made and both sides were inching closer to a deal. And then it seemed like things went left. But then the union came out and said, no, actually, we weren't ever really that close. This was just something that was put out by the other side. So what was your understanding of how close these sides were to actually potentially getting a deal done? So this will be the wonderful riddle here. All of that is true. Over that 17-hour negotiation down here, they did get closer to an agreement. They did make progress. They did inch in each other's direction. They did. There's ample evidence of that, whether it's the owners moving off 14 playoff teams to the players getting 12. There's, you know, There was a proposal made by the union yesterday to have uh, the pre-arb pool be at 85. That's down from 115 and far closer 
to the 30. Heck, we saw substantial movement in the CBT after days of them not talking about that. And the CBT, to everybody, that's the luxury tax. Um, and I apologize for using the, the lingo there, the inside baseball lingo, but that's the luxury tax. And we saw movement in there. Not, I mean, perhaps the most significant of which, and it wasn't enough to get a deal done, which is the part that I'm going to get to, but perhaps the most significant of which was just the dropping of the severe penalties that the owners had kind of backdoored in to the CBT raising it. Um, you know, they had, they had really made them harsher so much so that the proposal for this coming CBA was to have the penalties as harsh as they were for a third time offender in the previous CBA. So, you know, there was movement, um, but the amount of it and how close that put them to an agreement maybe is where the sides differ. Um, And there was genuine frustration on the union side with the fact that this deadline was created by the owners and then used as, um, you know, like this hammer by the owners. Um, it, it, it would be the equivalent of starting a baseball game and then one side getting to choose how long the game was and when they got the chance to bat in the bottom of the inning. I mean, that just doesn't, that was what the union felt like. So, you know, 2.30 in the morning, I'm down here at Roger Dean Stadium right now, and right across the street was where we were, 2.30 in the morning. You know, the union preached caution, and there probably weren't a whole lot of people up at 2.30 in the morning at that time. They probably just, Or they were just wrapped up in the notion that they're still talking, they're still talking, they're still talking. But the union did preach caution all, throughout the whole time. They said there are major issues, and they cited three of them, where they just had not closed the gap enough for a deal. But they had made progress, and the next conversation might close the gap, and they had to stay hopeful of that. Um, where it went sideways was the, you know, the take-it-or-leave-it offer, the fact that with 72 hours to go, all of a sudden the owners were trying to slip in the unilateral power of the commissioner to change rules. You know, there were things like that. Um, there was also frustration on the union side from their constituents that they had moved off <clears throat> expanding the arbitration pool. That obviously is something that they saw as a big need to get younger players paid more. The union had moved off of that to try to get a deal. You know, by the time they go and have that meeting with all their constituents, then Tuesday morning after the 17 hours of talks, you know, it just, it, it kind of reset things a little bit. So, you can see how the way you describe it, Michelle, all of that was true. It just was maybe the words that were chosen or the fact that one side wanted to play a little brinksmanship and the other side was like, have they not been listening to us all along? We, we're moving forward, but that doesn't mean you know, we're close. Derek Gould is with us on 101 ESPN. And Derek, and Andrew Miller mentioned, you put this in your story, the players are prepared to miss games. The, the players that said that yesterday are players that have already made a lot of money in Major League Baseball. 60% of Major League Baseball makes the minimum. So my question is, how prepared are they to miss a good portion of games? And this includes the entire union, not just the guys that have the uh, 40, 50, 60, 100 million dollars in the bank. The younger players say they're ready. Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, you bring up a great question because what does a Juan Yapez think, right? Or an Ivan Herrera or some of these guys who were just added to the 40-man roster 
haven't even made their major league debuts yet and are now caught in this and don't have, you know, the, the financial backing of careers or even performances to fall back on. So it's a great question. Um, but there were young players. There were, there were young players, not yet players who had hit their riches there at the press conference yesterday. There were players who were free agents who may not get deals um, and have been chilled out of the, the marketplace by some of the practices invited by the current CBA. So um, there was a, there was a, um, can I, can I use a pun? There was a wealth of variation <laughs> to the players that were present yesterday. Um, but, uh, but I think you bring up a good question question. Cause we, I mean, you know, and that's on our end um, as the media, we're, we're not hearing a lot from the guys who were just added to the 40 man roster all that much. Um, and they're feeling a little bit different. I will add though, that they did get a check yesterday. That's a good thing. And they, for will, them. And they will get a check on April 1st and something that I didn't write about. And, um, here's a little background knowledge for you and your listeners. Um, so somebody can go tweet it and everything like that is that the players have to apply for that. Mm. So like, mm. um, so say for example, you're Max Scherzer and you're, doing well financially you won't apply for it and that makes the cut larger for everybody else does that make sense yeah it does so so the players you're describing who have made their money they aren't likely to apply for that unless there's some other reason that they would but by not doing so and they know this because the executive board approves this stuff they can increase the payments to the younger players. Derek, it felt like missing games was a, a pretty big tent pole in all of this. And I wonder when both sides are going to come back. I don't know if you've heard anything about uh, when these two sides plan to meet again or resume these discussions at all. But it does, it does seem like a couple days are going to be needed for both sides to let the dust settle before they arrive back at the negotiating table. They're traveling today. The union went back to New York. So the, though the union stressed that if they wanted to meet today here at Roger Dean, they would do so. But the owners departed as well. Um, and the thought is that they will have something on Thursday. Not quite clear if that's – it may somebody may have tweeted that it's official um, by now. I have not heard that. Um, but I'm not exactly on the text chain. Um, <laughs> but uh, they want to – do something tomorrow, um, but it probably won't be similar to what you saw over the past week here in Jupiter. Um, if they're going to do something like that with the players involved, they may return here. It won't be to Roger Dean Stadium, just so you guys know. That venue was because all the hotels were sold out and everything was done last minute. Um, but it won't be to uh, it won't be to Roger Dean. But they may come back down here because you have so many of the players that are part of the executive um, board here. Um, you have Manfred here. Um, you have enough owners here, or at least nearby, that they could do something. Derek, I have a couple more things. Number one, based upon the tone that you experienced over the last eight days, would it surprise you if an announcement would be forthcoming that they don't have to cancel any more games, that it would just be the first two series? Would you think that's even a possibility as we sit here right now? I think they're going to cancel more games, Randy. And I worry that they don't have the tangible deadline that they did 72 hours ago. 
Um, I don't know, and I asked Tony Clark this in the thing, and I tried to ask Major League Baseball this, because I don't know when the next deadline is. I don't know how they conjure that out of thin air. Um, one possibility, and <laughs> you want a romantic possibility? Here's one, um, and here's an important one, is April 15th. Um, the 75th anniversary of Jackie Robinson breaking the color barrier. Mm -hmm. It would be really good to have Major League Baseball that day, don't you think? Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't know how they do that. I just don't know. I mean, they're already to April 6th, right? Um, In some places, they're through April 7th. Not the Cardinals, though. So keep in mind, I know know, I've been asked that a few times. Cardinals say their home opener is still on the schedule um, for April 7th. But what are we? We're three, four days away from that not being possible, according to Manfred's math. So you're either talking about a shorter spring training, which I think is more feasible than maybe Major League Baseball lets on. Um, They're talking about a 28-day camp. Um, They have to take into account that these players haven't stopped working and they have continued to do camp-like things, a vast majority of them. And now there's going to be a camp in Arizona. There's talk of organizing one here in Florida for players. Um, many of the Cardinals and some of the players in this area have already organized themselves to work out of the local facility. They've been throwing live batting practice. Dakota Hudson has faced hitters, for example. He's on a spring schedule. And so the notion that they need 28 days, that might be something that the unions say, au contraire, we can do this in 21 because our guys are ready. Why isn't Bill DeWitt Jr. involved with these negotiations? Good question. He is not part of the negotiating um, committee. He has served on that before. Um, Back in 2011, he served on it. I believe I have that right. The CBA that was actually announced at the World Series. You remember back in the days of labor peace when things (laughs) would be done early? I remember that, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, He is the architect of the owner's gains in that CBA. Um, and I, I don't think there's any other way to put that. He's a very influential owner, super influential, cannot stress that enough. Um, but he was only part of the owner's caucuses here. Some of that was because he could be, right? Like if they're going to have an owner's meeting with all 30 teams, he could walk over and join. He didn't have to join via Zoom. Um, but I was told and stressed multiple times from both sides that, you know, DeWitt was not in the bargaining because he's not permitted to be. Um, I think we, you know, this is, I don't, I won't belabor this, no pun intended, but we do need to think about these in, in legal terms, right? These are labor negotiations, just like a newspaper union with the newspaper owner. Um, there are rules that govern mm-hmm. this, like quite literally. And so sometimes we think of this as like a ping pong match. Well, no, there are, there are legal guidelines here. Um, yesterday, probably everybody maybe scratched their head a little bit by this, but it was an essential question yesterday asked by um, Yahoo Sports, uh, where what was the terminology of the offer yesterday? Was it last, best, and final? Because if that was the possibility, that's the prelude to an impasse. And an impasse is bad. That's the big I word that no one wants to say. And if you see people use it in print, it's it's incorrect because it has it is a charged word when talking about labor negotiations, and so there are like kind of rules that govern this, and that's part of why they say you know Dewitt's not in the negotiating room. Derek, I want to end this where we started this, and that's on Twitter. Uh, 
nothing oh, really. <laughs> no, but it's a good one. Nothing really impacted yesterday quite like a photo that you tweeted out of a young fan that was peeking over the wall watching Rob Manfred announce that opening day was going to be canceled and that the lockout was extended. And we love baseball here in St. Louis. We're very emotional about baseball. And I just thought that photo was so sad because it's such a representation of what baseball is missing in all of this, and that's the fan and the young fan particularly. Are you getting any sort of sense that the fans are even being considered at all in these negotiations? That's a great question. Um, I mean, it's a hard one to answer because they say they are, but that's lip service. Let's be honest. Can we just be blunt? Yes. Um, you know, they say we care about the fans. We want to give them a product, um, all that, all those things. You know, that's what they're supposed to say. Um, I think there are two elements of this. There's, there, there, is, there are two parts of this that are fan-oriented. One is cynical, and the other one is hopeful. Um, which would you like per- first? Hopeful. Oh, I was going to say cynical, but let's go with hopeful. I, I like that. Okay, hopeful. The players are pushing for a better game on the field, meaning quality of play. Now, they see that as getting the best talent on the field and competitive teams. The owners recognize the need to change rules to improve the style of play. Um, the owners are aware that their, this rush to money ball and this widespread use of analytics, that it's become the tail wagging the dog and not the other way around. And that instead of helping them better understand and better evaluate and better place values on performance. Um, it's now directing the style of play and they have to change that equation. The fans will benefit from that. Um, there, there's the fans have a, a table because both sides are talking about the fan experience at a ballpark. Um, they're talking about having, you know, these neutral site games like the field of dreams game or international play. Um, that's, you know, that's part of the fan experience. And so, that's the hopeful part. Um, the cynical part is the fans are always at the table because the two sides are talking about how to carve up the money spent by fans. They just, you know, don't ask the fans to participate in that, in the, who they want the money to go to and how much. So the only thing the fans can do is they can withdraw their financial support, which I think many are doing mm-hmm. for the sport. Um, that's consumer activism and, I know it's hard when you think of a team like Michelle put so well. One of the best parts about covering baseball, no, the, probably the best part about covering baseball, second to working with Rick Hummel, who's sitting right here, so I, <laughs> um, is, uh, is how passionate the fans are um, and how rich the history is. I mean, that means I think about that a lot. I was talking about it with a fan down here today. Um, and so I, I know it's hard to withdraw that commitment to the Cardinals, that, that, that devotion to the laundry, if you will. Um, but consumer activism is saying, look, if you're going to sit there and quibble about how to carve up my dollar, I got a real easy solution for you. I'm going to take my dollar away. Yeah. Right. Uh, finally, Derek Gould, I want to uh, compliment you, a proud alum of the Mizzou journalism school and journalism. You're trying to find out what's going on and it did not, uh, I don't want to gloss over a, a, a note that you had on Friday when you talked to the caterer for uh. these meetings. And nobody else had that the meetings were going to go on through the weekend, but the caterer told you, right, that, hey, they told yeah. me to bring food through Sunday. 
Yeah, they, uh, they, they said that they, uh, the catering order had been set for the owners through Friday. And on Friday, they realized that and said, oh, wait, no, we're going to be here for a while. And then, uh, then reestablished it through Tuesday. They extended it through Tuesday. It's a, it's a great way to get a story and, and get a fact and little things that we don't ordinarily see that you always find. You, you give us great nuance and great detail to every story that you cover. And it's always great to talk to you. Thanks so much for the time. We do appreciate it. Yeah, have a great week, guys. I'm sorry that there won't be baseball, but there will be minor league baseball next Monday. Minor league baseball, Cardinals, workouts down here in Jupiter starting Monday. We're looking forward to that. Derek, take care. We'll see you soon. All right. Have a great day, guys. You too. See you later. That is Derek Gould, who does just magnificent work covering the Cardinals for stltoday.com and the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. And Michelle, you and I both read a lot of -of out-of-town papers, a lot of beat writers that cover teams. Nobody covers their team better than Derek Gould does. Couldn't agree more. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, bet online for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. Want more ways to show your good side to the world? Donate plasma at a Griffles Center and join thousands of donors who are helping to save lives. Receive up to $1,000 your first month. Learn more at grifflesplasma.com.